This is Paula from Christchurch, New Zealand. You're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion, Disneyland edition, for the week of August 28, 2011. I'm your host this week, Wayne Toygo, and joining me as always are my fellow Disneyland correspondents, Tony Spatel, Tom Bell, and Nancy Johnson. In this week's show, we're going to have a wrap-up of the D23 Expo. Nancy is going to review the Lion King 3D premiere in Hollywood, and Tony will be telling us about the Riverbell Terrace restaurant in Disneyland. All that, plus news and Roundtable Rapid Fire on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. Greetings, team. How's everyone today? Hello, everyone. Hot. Good. It's hot. Very hot. Jeez. So let's get right into it. Uh, Does anyone have any housekeeping this week? Always got to mention our special intro people, uh, Paula Sillars from New Zealand sent that to us. Um, If you want to be part of the podcast and do the intro... Record that for us and send that to dlpodcast at wdwinfo.com and you can be part of the show. Perfect. Thank you very much for that. How about anyone else? Any other housekeeping? Uh, the Tinkerbell Half Marathon. Oh, is that coming up? Yes, I'm up to nine miles. That was the hardest nine miles I've ever ran this morning. I don't remember and seeing that post. Oh, I yeah. posted it. Okay. I even capitalized nine. Nice. Um, well, Congrats. Then, uh, thank you. But... Um, so if you want to donate and see the uh, tutu and wings, it's tinyurl.com slash dizrunner. So please help give Kids the World out for this great cause. Very good. Okay, Tom, over to you with the news. The Disneyland Hotel has received a 2012 Four Diamond rating from AAA. AAA spokeswoman Elaine Benno said that there were 10 hotels in Orange County, including the Grand Californian, and 70 hotels in Southern California that received a Four Diamond in 2011. There are four hotels in Orange County that received a Five Diamond rating in 2011. Hotels and restaurants are being notified throughout the year of the 2012 award, with the full list to be released in January. According to Benno, key to the AAA Diamond rating is the unannounced inspection and also the objective and detailed rating procedures that are used. And just as an aside, the Napa Rose restaurant that we talked about last week is a four-diamond restaurant. And that's very hard to come by. That is. What does it take to get a five-diamond? Wow, if, they, if they're a four-diamond, I can, in I room can imagine. I, I there you go. Yeah, I like that. I like the way you're thinking. Well, you know, we should open up why, a restaurant ourselves. That's why they put a spa in the Grand Californian was to get their hotel rating. Really? So, yeah. yeah. Because any um, hotel that's a certain star level has to have a spa. I learned something today. That's why you come to class every day. Yes, I learned. Twice a month. Twice a month I learn. (laughs) All right, next story. Recently at Disneyland Park, a special celebration was held to remember Disney legends Wally Bogue and Betty Taylor. This salute to the true legends of the Golden Horseshoe kicked off with a song and dance from the iconic show. Next, Walt Disney Parks and Resorts chairman Tom Staggs took the stage to pay tribute to these legendary entertainers. 
Stags then welcomed Taylor's sister, Bogue's daughter, and Miriam Nelson, the original Golden Horseshoe Review choreographer, along with several Disney legends including Ron Dominguez, Jack Lindquist, Richard Sherman, and Mouseketeer Bobby Burgess. The show continued with songs, dancings, and dancing and tributes to the lives and careers of Wally Bogue and Betty Taylor, complete with some of the most loved performances and footage of classic performances by these Disney legends. Also during the event, Disneyland Resort President George Caligridis joined the director of the Orange County High School of the Arts to present the school with a $10,000 donation in honor of Bogue and Taylor. He then unveiled a new playbill that is to be posted inside the Golden Horseshoe that, as George said, will forever pay tribute to their legendary roles. I wish there was some kind of Disney channel that would let us see all of these things. It seems like they're always doing cool stuff like this, having little presentations and little forums and seminars and stuff. It sure would be neat to be able to see them. Yeah, I think it was a it was a private event. Um I, I if I remember correctly, some of the people that had like the upper upper end package for the expo got an invitation to it. So like the oh. the but they could thousand dollar tickets or something like that. They could record it and archive it and show it on YouTube or you know I'm sure it'll yeah, I'm sure it'll show up eventually. All right, and finally, changes are coming to Main Street, USA. Work has already begun at the Plaza Pavilion, which most recently was used as an annual pass processing center. And in January of next year, the Jolly Holiday Bakery Cafe will open in this location, with an expanded menu and outdoor seating. Once that bakery opens, the Blue Ribbon Bakery will close its doors, allowing the Carnation Cafe to expand and begin offering indoor seating. The Gibson Girl Ice Cream Parlor and the Candy Palace will also be reconfigured. And at the far end of Main Street, plans were announced recently that will transform the Carnation Plaza Gardens into a new, using air quotes, experience, called Fantasy Fair. The new area will come alive with activities, games, and a chance for guests to meet their favorite Disney royalty. At the Fantasy Fair stage, the stories of fairy tale heroes and heroines will come to life. And for those purists out there, at night, the Fantasy Fair stage will feature the same classic music and dance that guests have come to enjoy. Because they would have a freaking <laughs> revolution on their hands if uh, if they ever shut down the swing dancing on Saturday nights. I know we have it's going to be very interesting how they how they are going to make this transition. I mean, that is such a classic venue there. Uh, yep. I agree that it's somewhat underutilized during the daytime, but you you can't watch an old Disneyland show without seeing the Carnation Plaza. It's definitely controversial, but who knows? In all of the new generation of Disney fans, will love it. I mean, it's. Yeah, well, I'm- the drawings are gorgeous. I can't wait to see what they're going to do with the Fantasyland Theater. That's what I was wondering, yeah. too. I wonder if this is now going to open that up to bring in another new stage show in that location, because that really is a really nice facility for live entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it could just sit barren and wastelandish oh, festival arena. <laughs> That's too visible. Yeah. All right. That is the news. Thank you, Tom. Excellent. Let's move on to rapid fire. And since I am picking, let's start with Tony. Well, if for all of those men like myself that registered for the 2012 Tinkerbell Half Marathon, I guess there was enough of us 
that they decided to allow, to offer a men's tech shirt was added as a shirt option for registered participants. I got the email and I was excited because at least I'll get to wear something that's masculine while I'm running. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. If you listen to the Orlando show, they want you to go even farther. Yeah, we're a million. I'll do it, but let's. We're we're we we've we've signed the contract. I'm I'm good. Um, so if you're interested in switching to a men's cut shirt, please send an email including the name of the event, your full name, and preferred shirt size to Disney Sports at TrackShack.com, which I did immediately. So I would have a <laughs> men's shirt to go with my wings and tutu. But for Very anybody good. else, and obviously that shows that there were plenty of guys that registered. So. Very good. Are you going to follow up with the other news about the marathon, Tony? Uh, yes, I guess I will, since you reminded me. It is sold out. It is is it really? Out. Yes, because all the men that wanted that needed the shirts. <laughs> That's why. I, it's going to be interesting to see what design or logo that logoing they do differently on it for a minute. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Terrence. <laughs> Tony's our Terrence. Oh, now. I'm glad I don't know what that means. I'll just Terrence is the boy fairy. We're not going to, yeah, no. When no. you mean a pixie owl, actually, he's kind of a hottie at pixie owl. I'm a hottie. That's not a question, but I'm not a boy fairy. <laughs> hey, man, he's got the hots for Tinkerbell. He's not a boy fairy either. <laughs> he's a okay. sparrow, man. <laughs> Next. Okay, thanks, Tony. Uh, Nancy, you're up. Mm-hmm. As she takes a drink. You wouldn't Sorry. catch me on the mic. So- My voice is Sorry. really crap today, so I'm drinking tea with honey for the entire show. So. Um, I found out something new today that I did not know, and I don't know if you guys know this either. Um, our former Disneyland correspondent, uh, Wendy Bell, actually gave me a note this morning. They were at um, Rainforest Cafe for dinner. And there was a you know huge long wait, like it always is on a busy weekend night. And someone in front of them walked up and asked for patio seating and was seated immediately. Did you guys realize patio seating even existed as an option? Not at all. Where Not at is all. this patio? It's actually, have you ever been up to is the it, bathrooms level? I was going to say, is it upstairs? It's up on the bathrooms level and outside. Wow. On one of those terraced balconies. I think I saw that from the Disneyland Hotel. And she said that, you know, I just thought it was just regular old outdoor seating. I didn't realize it was sort of a special patio thing. And, yeah, she said there was an hour-plus wait for regular tables. Now, the people in front of them got seated right away. They went up to change, and they had maybe 15, 20 minutes. That's great. That's great. Learn something new every day. And thank you, Wendy. Very cool. Tom, you're last up. John Lasseter, chief creative officer for Walt Disney and Pixar Animation, announced a pretty unusual contest recently called John of the Jungle. Lasseter's known as bringing some of the characters to life, Woody, Buzz Lightyear, Lightning McQueen, but not many people know that he started out as a Jungle Cruise skipper at Disneyland. Um, he left the role, though, with lots of stories, but no photos of himself at the helm of the Jungle Cruise. So he's out to fix that, and there's a search out for photos of him from his Jungle Cruise skipper days in 1977. So if you have a shot of John, 
in your old family album, you could win a trip to the grand opening of Cars Land and a private jungle cruise with John Lasseter. That sounds pretty cool. That, and I, I'll, I'll look up the link, but I think it's like johnofthejungle.com is the link to... Now, maybe Devil's Advocate, couldn't a really awesome graphic designer do some great graphics and And, and of course, he said, he said he works for Pixar. They invented okay, that's true. I guess photoshopping, I so yeah, they, okay. they would know. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Let's move on to our topics of the week. First, let's, let's rewind a little bit and let's wrap up the D23 Expo. I believe that all four of us actually got a chance to get out there. You and believe. before I ask, uh, we were all right there with all, you. <laughs> all four of us did attend the D23 Expo. And before we get into some some details uh, individually, I'd just like to know, first of all, from everyone, did everyone have a good time? Did did you think this was a fun event to go to? Yeah. Okay, I'd never been to one, so yes, because I had nothing to compare it to. I, so I, I just like, it was just cool to be immersed in Disney, but all I did was honestly see the stuff that you didn't have to wait in lines for, so. I, I mean, enjoyed the things I had, I got, I was able to do. And I think I'd agree with that, you know, in general. Um, doesn't sound like Nancy had a very good time, though. Nancy, why don't you go? She was with me the whole time. She's with me the whole time, and usually when people are with me for a whole day, they don't have an enjoyable time. I totally enjoyed the company we had. <laughs> we were with Tony and his beautiful wife, Chrissy, and had a great time with them. Really enjoyed the treasures room. They expanded, you know, with the expanded exhibits. I was disappointed at how small the Parks and Resorts booth was this year as compared to the 2009 Expo. Did it, Tom and Wayne, you went to that. Did you yeah, feel the same way? Yeah, it was a yeah. lot smaller. Yeah, and, this and was just, actually one of my points was uh, both um, both the, uh, the Parks and Resorts and the other smaller pavilions that were around the Parks and Revo- Resorts pavilion. For me, the big highlights of the floor were the Disney living area and the Disney corporate responsibility area. And that was a highlight for me, actually, in the 2009 show as well. The corporate responsibility area reflected all the efforts of the Disney volunteers, spelled with an E-R-S on the end. And... The Disney volunteers were this year working with children's community gardens and doing sack, you know, pre-packaging sack lunches um, for distribution. Um, and I'm not sure if it was shelters or schools or something like that. But so when you did that, you got a really nice eco-friendly bag at the end, and it. That's always to me a highlight, you know, to have everyone who cares about Disney go in and help, and that was cool. And then you know, some of the other presentations. As, as, as someone who's never been before, and um, I heard about last time's Parks and Rec, and I went, oh, park, and they have this great entrance with the screen, and then I went in, and after looking back, I'm like, oh, okay, great. Like, I didn't see anything that I didn't already know about. Yeah, because or, last time they also had that area with the sand, the magic sand or whatever. Yeah, that the, was awesome. For, 
I think everyone that I've talked to, both in our own little group and also other guests who I just happen to have conversations with, agreed that overall the Parks and Resorts Pavilion was a bit of, di- of a disappointment, especially if you went to the 2009 Expo and you're comparing the two. There were definitely some good things in it. Um, did everyone at least get a chance to see the Destiny uh, audio animatronic figure? No, there was a huge yeah, line, so we didn't line. even have any clue as to what it was. You could actually get up and look at it without standing in line. They actually had like a viewing area of it. This was a um, picture, a, a sort of fortune teller robot, a fortune teller character who would react to the things you were saying and also the facial expressions that you were making. It was actually uh, highly technical and, and quite wonderful, almost almost bordering on scary because you could tell there was a little bit of speech recognition, some analysis. He would uh, also interpret facial expressions and react to those as well if you were happy or if you were surprised or if you looked a little disinterested he would also react to that i thought that part was really good they had a section on the walt disney world fantasyland expansion which i thought was good although i don't really consider the technology in the new snow white mine train to be that groundbreaking um if disney is going to catch up with the other technologies in theme park rides it really needs to start looking around at what's already out there the floating car concept is kind of old school disney just changed the position of the track in the car i was expecting much more on the cruise line in the pavilion than what we saw especially because the dream has now been launched so i thought surely they were going to share with us you know this whole this whole expo seemed to be seemed to concentrate on the imagineering of some of the current attractions and and shows, and I thought now that the dream was out, we'd be seeing a little more behind the scenes on the dream. Well, it was nice we, that they brought one of the portholes from the interior staterooms, since there aren't that many that was fun. staterooms on that ship. That was but, a plus. Well, let's move on to the outside of the parks and the parks and resorts area um the disney channel made extremely strong presence this year with the perry the platypus um and they brought like stars from every single one of their shows and for performances there was no weights nothing like that that's not true there were lines to get out of well you could okay if you, you wanted to watch everywhere. what they were doing, you could still see it. Right, right. but if you wanted autographs from the stars there yeah. were there was there was our weight yeah yeah, but I mean, still, there, and there were lots more little places where you could actually get autographs this time. I was kind of surprised about that. You know, all in all, it wasn't bad. There was lots of additional shopping that wasn't available the year before, the, in the last one. Mickey's of Glendale, um, the Disney store actually had shopping for new merchandise, that kind of stuff. But, did, you know, all did all, everybody make it up to the treasures of the Walt Disney archives? I never made it up there. I did, hey, you didn't, I'm sorry, Nancy, you didn't miss anything unless you like, like, you know, late 80s, early 90s movies. Because yeah. Hocus okay. Pocus being the, fo- Hocus, Hocus Pocus, Pocus, really? Nice. Okay. Hocus Pocus, I looked at it and I was like, oh, oh yeah, the Walmart bin for five bucks. Yeah. I'm like, really, I was very disappointed in the treasures. When you call it treasures, I, there was cool stuff in the front, 
but there was too much like pseudo Disney Disney movies. I wanted I was, to see real treasures. This is D twenty. I wasn't happy with the Tron room. I wasn't I wasn't thrilled with some of the stuff in the back. Like there, I totally bypassed all the Roger Rabbit junk. Um, I liked the Rocketeer stuff they had for the anniversary of the Rocketeer. See, and this is what's going to make all of these kind of exhibits really difficult to even please the masses because you two are kind of disappointed at it, and I thought the whole archives thing was just wonderful. You know what I like? It was easily twice as big as what the archives presentation was the last time. They did bring back a few of the things from the first time, like the Sleeping Beauty storybook and some of the early Disneyland passes and stuff. Okay, but me, I really awesome. love seeing the actual costumes and stuff, especially they brought out all the Alice in Wonderland costumes. We saw a bit of that in yeah. the pre-release of the movie the last time, but now you actually got to see a lot of the actual costume, costumes and props, including the Vorpal Sword, which I thought was really cool being able to actually see that. And if you're a Pirates fan, they had tons of pirate stuff. They had that whole secondary room, which was just chock full of stuff from all four films. They even had Jack's Compass and the Dead Man's Chest, which I thought that, that, was, that was the big seller for me. Well, you know what? Okay, I, those were all great things, but when I – okay, I never went to the last one, but when I hear Treasures, I'm thinking of older – Items and all and a lot of the things that you're mentioning weren't older. They were. Did you go the last into day. the? Did you go into the nostalgia the story room? Book. Yeah, the, and that the, was the first half. Okay, there, was it. Yeah, the storybook, no. and I wanted to see more of that. I I don't know, but that's just me. I want to see more. Well, like, I have a feeling you missed half of the half of the display because there was a secondary room across the hall which had all the nostalgia pieces, all the toys, all the stuff from back that in was, the... That um, was just Mickey Mouse themed, though. They and had that's the where... car that Walt and Mickey rode in on when Disneyland was first um, was, was on opening day. They had one of the Mickey statues from the old um, uh, the show that Mickey was in. Uh, I forgot the name of the show. Um, they, they had a bunch Mickey of... Mickey Mouse Review? That was it, the Mickey Mouse review. Um, I think that should have been the main focus and less focus on Hocus Pocus and Rocketeer. But that's just my own opinion. And well, see, the problem was his last time. Well, it sounds like, from somebody that didn't see it, it sounds like it was way skewed to the films and not to the parks. It was, to be sure. To be sure. The archives, I, I wonder if they are more studio archives rather than park archives at least for what they bring to the Expo. Okay, let's talk about the 2009 Expo, just to put it in perspective for all the other people. They brought out the Mary Poppins costumes then. They brought out every single tiara known to a Disney live-action movie. They they really focused on a lot of stuff. They only did a little bit of modern the year before, they, which was the high school musical costumes. And and that was pretty much mo- that and the enchanted dress. Well, and and, and that stuff. And two that years ago, it. it was all costumes. Yeah, all awesome. costumes I, and people complain. The sleeping beauty, sleeping beauty book, and the Nautilus, I think, were the only. Yeah. And the rest was just costumes. 
and stuff. So, I mean, it was nice and all. And let's talk about then all the cool stuff that was on the floor in the expo hall. You had all those pirates artifacts too. And that was so. really nice. That that concentrated specifically on on Stranger Tides, which was fun and very current. Did anyone go over to on the on the floor? Did anyone go over to the Disney Studios booth? Yeah, they had. They were doing giveaways all all the time. They had different things they were giving away, little pins and things like that. And they had a bunch of people up for uh, autographs. They were giving demonstrations on animation techniques. They, they had some of the artists right there, which I yeah. thought was really fun. They were also do, previewing the 3D, um, some of the 3D films. You could go and look at what they would look like in 3D. They had a little half-living room that you could go in, which was kind of cool. Did everyone walk through the collectors forum? I thought that was that that was an interesting mix, <laughs> an interesting mix of very good along with some pretty low class uh, garbage. Yeah, yeah, it was just yeah. the collectors forums are always that way when you're talking Disney. You pay I the mean, rent. It always is. You get the booth. Yep. Um, I thought there were a lot of what I would call fill-in booths by various Disney departments and some partner vendors. Yeah. All of it, all of it, everything on the show floor was almost too much to see in detail. You just had to wander and yeah. see what caught your eye. Yeah. Well, and I think Did that anyone? it was nice this year from a parent perspective. I thought it was nice this year that they had that thing in the Disney living booth for, um, it's like it was a kid's toy play area. It was a huge area. It was much more expansive with toys um, than the previous entertainment up in Baby Care last year. But you couldn't, but we actually went into Baby Care, even though we didn't have our kids with us, just to say hi to some of the nannies from the park. And all it really was was a changing station this year. So if you brought your kids to the expo, you were pretty much stuck on the expo floor. It was just not a place for kids this year. No, I, I, don't, know that, I don't know that it ever is. Yeah. It isn't anyway. D23 has never had a focus on little kids. I mean, if you bring your kids, you're going to be at the Disney Channel thing all day doing all of that. Yeah. You're not going to see the rest of the, the rest of the show. So it, you, you have to pick and choose. <laughs> now, I never made it up to the auction or saw anything about the trivia content. Uh, contest. Did any of y'all see anything about that? No, other yeah. than the, other than the auction items that they had on the on the convention floor, the larger items. But yeah, no. and I and I guess I you two, to, uh, Tony and Nancy, you didn't make it to any of the presentations, right? No, we I could only go for one day, and it was just to see what I can see. I don't. My opinion is not nearly as valid as your your two because I was just kind of well, there for a little quick time to see just the fact that of in terms so I didn't get to do the full experience but from what I've heard I would have had to wait in line the entire day to see any of those presentations that's what I've heard and and this is this is the point I was trying to make is that was exactly what happened and there were a lot of disappointed people around that because that was what happened is lines to the presentations and especially disappointed people who couldn't get into the presentations because of the amount of folks there. Okay, I got to um, jump in here. 
Yep. Um, the studio stuff, the the park stuff, we can't blame on D23. They don't control the content that comes out. The presentations, I've got to hold their feet to the fire. I've been, a, to use Tony's word, a shill for D23. And when, we t- when you and I talked, Wayne, with Dave about how we thought there were fewer presentations and we thought there was a, a venue missing. Yes. So I went out back and dug my old expo book from two years ago and did a spreadsheet. Last year, of course, there were four days, but in 2009, there were 76 and a half hours of programming total for the four days. This yep. year, okay, so 76 and a half. This year, there was 38 and three quarters hours of programming. It's just, and, wow. and you're like a lawyer. That was awesome. In. Well, folks no, still that, couldn't get in. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. There was half as much program. Of course, they're not going to get in. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because I mean, I noticed that too. Because last year, last time I went for a day, and I was still able to get into stuff. My husband there was were, able to get into stuff. They were overlapping programming last yeah. in 2009. There was there was it so was much fabulous. going on that they were overlapping one, programming. I did see one suggestion about signing up for presentations the way they do for other professional trade shows, and that's actually a really good idea. I've done that, and it works very well, but it does require that each participant be checked in at the entrance. Now, with scanning, that can go pretty fast, but from what I've seen, Disney has no experience with this sort of procedure. But it would help cut down the lines and the false expectations. They've, uh, they've either got to do something about that, or they're going to wind up with the same big disappointment that they had around lines and presentations. And unfortunately, that leads to what Tony had to experience, which was, I can't see him at all because it's impossible. And that's just not, that's not fair if you're limited to one day. Especially for that The price. other big boogaboo. Well, yes, exactly, especially for that price. If you go to a professional, you know, like I, I've gone to ed- educational technology conferences, and you pay that money, it, they do what Tom mentioned, said that they do for D23 before. They have so much programming that, oh, I'll go to this one because there's nobody in there. So right. you have options. But if you're going to spend that much money and take less programming, then it's not it, – it's, it's a disappointment like you said before. Well, as somebody who went to the really old Disney Anna conventions that were held down in Florida and then the 40th anniversary of Disneyland, they have one out here, um, they had you register for all of your seminars. They called them seminars at that point. They had you register for all of your seminars up front. And that was before internet registration. So, you know, you had to be on the phone waiting for the phone calls to answer. So there was none of the selling out in two minutes because 20,000 people can access you from all over the world all at the same time. And you saw it in nothing flat. But Wayne, I, mean, you were, I got everything I wanted back then. It's, it's either that or they've got to triple the size of all of these venues so that they can get many more people into these presentations because there's no question that people are interested in them. I mean, if you looked at the lineup, they had some really interesting things going on. How many total presentations did you make, Tom? One half. Not, okay, yeah, see, not, I, not counting the arena presentations, which we were right. no problem to get in. 
Not counting um, the arena. The half of the Disney Disney Cruise Line presentation, because I had to leave early to for an appointment. So the, well, let's say one. And on I the, think on the last name. on the last day in the morning when the general public hadn't got into the show yet. And I think I made three total just because of time. Time and not being able to get in because of line size. So on balance, let me just run through everybody individually. On balance, Tony, did you like it? Would you go to the next one? I liked it. I wouldn't pay full price to go to the next one. Okay. Nancy, did you like it? Would you go to the next one? I liked what I was able to see. I was expecting to be able to see more, so... I'm not sure. You know, maybe okay. if they change venues. Maybe if they don't try to budget cut by buying less conference rooms. I went Okay. There. Tom? I don't think they use, had less conference rooms. They just they utilized them. They have less conference they rooms. Util, they utilized them differently. Anyway, yeah, I'll be back. I'm a sucker. Wayne? As I said, during the expo, this was a mix of very good and very poor. On balance, this is one of those Disney events that requires some significant planning, and if you don't do that, just like you would for any Disney World trip, then you're going to wind up being disappointed and waste a lot of time. I don't think that the line situation is going to be fixed or lessened. I think it's going to be up to us to plan, navigate, and adjust. On balance, I really like the Expo. I may also consider trying to get the Destination D events, which really weren't on my radar prior to this year. And yes, I will definitely go to the D23 Expo the next time. That'll about do it for that wrap-up. Let's move on to our next segment. Nancy, I believe you attended a rather special premiere. I did. We at the Diz got an invitation for the Lion King 3D premiere in Hollywood. This is the first time we've covered one of these types of events. And how do I want to put this? This was something extremely unique. They set up a really nice green carpet. They Actually, it was AstroTurf because they were going for that whole grassy savanna thing with a few cardboard cutouts from the uh, movie and some nice potted plants and decorations and stuff. We got a very interesting spot on the carpet. We were given the position just a couple down. You know, there's always that one wall where they photograph celebrities and their families when they come in. We were down just four from that wall. So that was at the very end of the walk before the celebrities entered the theater. So we've got an interesting mix of people that came to visit Are us. Are we using celebrities in quotes? Well, some of them were celebrities. <laughs> okay. Some of them were celebrities in the Disney movie geek's mind. Some of them were celebrities in the young Hollywood, um, our kids' minds. Um, it was a very interesting mix of people, like I said. And there were people who had... I find it interesting when they do these red carpet events because they had a handful of people who had experience or who were heavily involved with the movie in the original time. And then, of course, they have everybody who has new shows coming up in the following season that right. they need to plug. And so with Disney, your premiere gets people from ABC, ABC Family, Disney Channel, Disney XD, and, um, you know, there you go. You've just got all kinds of stuff in that respect. We were on the opposite 
end of the card. We were actually the only podcast invited Woo. on the carpet. So that was kind of cool because I saw that on the list. And we were, I, I thought that was really wild. Um, and we were two spots away from the official Disney blog. So I thought that was kind of cool, too. E-Entertainment, all the major news networks were all down on the other end so they could get the celebrities first and get their new snippets out of the way. Um, I got to speak with some really amazing and fun people. Um, I don't know if I should direct people to the blog to tell you all about who I got to talk to. Um, we do, in this week's blog, we're going to have a great video um, up on our YouTube site as well. And I'll have photos and the video from the, from the event in the blog. I for, think we need a hint. Uh, yeah, who did you see? I, I think we know. need a hint. I got to talk to the big cheese himself, Mr. Don Hahn. And I also got to talk to Mark Hen, who's basically the man who's responsible for every princess these days. And Tony Bancroft, who is responsible for some of your absolutely favorite sidekick characters. Um, in this movie, he was responsible for Pumbaa. Mark was responsible for young Simba. So... These are people who had very heavy involvement in the film. I was you say also. They were responsible. What do you mean they were responsible for him? Like they they looked after. They him? were the the official <laughs> title is supervising animator. Oh, thank you. They are the quality. They are the designer of the character, the quality control person. They make sure everything about that character stays consistent. The drawing quality is the same. Everything. Okay. They are like the final person when it comes to drawing that character. Two other amazing facets. I got to be about four feet away from Robert Guillaume. Did you talk was, to him? I tried. He only did three interviews. That was it. And he did not even interview with um, you know, any of the major networks. But he knows he where the Diz. The Diz comes first. Well... And your, really your fancy tried, new microphone. Come on. I had, oh, my God, guys. If my microphone would have been a half a hair longer or a half a hair bigger, we would have audio. I've you know, got all the video kids, and audio just – I what, my arm wasn't long enough. You get your kids, and then you kind of hoist them over and down, and then they can hold the microphone. That's yeah, how you no, get the interviews. A, we were behind barricades. You know, they, <laughs> We were like herded like you know cows in a chute. <laughs> But, I mean, the only people who got video of him were the people very, very close. So I do have some video, but the audio quality just wasn't there, so we couldn't include that. Um, but he was also very soft-spoken. He's um, not in as good of health as he used to be, which was kind of sad to see, because he was such a dynamic actor and singer. Um, and But he was funny. Because I got to hear the snippets of the interview he was doing with other people. And he was funny in it. The surprise interview for me that just made me all well up was um, was Nikita Kalame, who was the voice of young Nala in the original movie. And she's basically grown up with this movie, you know, being a child actor when she did the voice. And here we are 17 years later, and, you know, she's... She was just amazing to talk to, a really nice lady. Um, a few other interviews um, that you'll be seeing. Um, 
Joey King, who played Ramona in Ramona and Beezus. She's going to be in a new movie that's coming out for Disney called Oz the Great and Powerful. Another fun interview was another one of the young stars who's who's doing some new things, um, a program called Little Nick for the Disney Channel, and his name was Dustin Tanucci. Um, most people know him from actually the series Big Love, which is not a Disney or family-friendly, necessarily, production. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good show. Um, And he was the other fun one. Now, I got two other adults that were a lot of fun, and I'm going to wrap some of it with this um, as far as who we talked to. Um, Gino Seggers, who, oh, my God. Is that the guy from Pair of Kings? No. He was Mufasa in Blanking the Musical in the European, Asian, and West Coast tours. Um, And he's got a new program coming out. I sent you guys the link to that earlier today. That is the guy from Pair of Kings. Oh, is he from Pair of Kings? Yeah, he's he's like the bodyguard in Pair of Kings. Okay, you have boys. I do not have boys. So he's He's got a really, really deep voice. You know, that's not on his IMDb bio either. Can I can I just tell you? Um, I guess but, it's oh, not man. true then. Okay. Ladies, you have to watch my video for this one because he has the sexiest voice in the yeah, universe. Yeah, that's him. Um, and Whoa, wait, also- wait, 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 wait. No, just- no, I'm just saying he's got yeah. a very deep voice. Yeah, he no, is yeah. completely. You said, yeah, I knew that's he him pl- with sexy voice. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying. I um, knew he played Mufasa from the minute he opened his mouth for the people next to me. I was like, oh. My gosh. Anyway, he's also co-hosting a brand new show called uh, Fort Boyard, The Ultimate Challenge. And if you guys are familiar with UK and, and French game shows, they actually go to this location, which is a fort in the middle of the ocean water all around it. And they do a really cool thing for charity there. And it's going to be kids facing their fears, basically. So that was, I thought that was really cool. That was the coolest new project I heard about. And this one was one I had to do for Pete. Um, <laughs> Antonio Sabato Jr. Um, and Antonio Sabato Jr. has been, you know, a soap opera star for yeah. decades in General Hospital and stuff. And he's been on a lot of other shows. And he and his daughter are actually doing an upcoming project for Disney. Um, for ABC, actually. Um, and he was absolutely great to talk to. Oh, oh, last one, last one, and then I'm going to quit telling you who I talked to. And you can see all these um, interviews, like I said, on our video. Um, Jim Cummings. He was a treat. Jim Cummings, as most people know, is the voice of Pooh and Tigger. And just about every other freaking darn Disney character, sidekick character that you can imagine. Um, Anyway, he was a doll, and he was the last person I talked to before we wrapped. And then we went in to see the movie. and Oh, you got to see a movie, too. I yeah. did. And you know what? I think everybody who's not sure about this whole 3D thing, you know, who, or everybody has problems going to a 3D movie, this one is actually really, really nice. It's more of a depth of field 3D. It's not that jarring. You know, if you take off your 3D glasses, it gives you a headache to look at the movie. Right. I could actually look at it without my glasses on. But once you put your glasses on, it almost became like the layers of a multiplane camera, if you're an animation geek. It almost became like the layers of the multiplane camera separated out. So it was really interesting, especially on the I Can't Wait to Be King. 
um, song and some of the other things, but it just made the Savannah much richer. So we really enjoyed the movie. We really enjoyed hobnobbing on the red carpet. Um, and we even have a musical treat. Um, there was a great band playing um, at the, you know, giving the African flair to it, uh, Nasambu and the Mystic Nomads. And they allowed us to use one of their songs for our opening video, our opening of the video. So I want to say thank you to them for that. Is and, there going to be uh, a pre-show at the LCAP? Um, no, because this is only a special two-week run. Okay. So literally, if because the movie's coming out in DVD in September, it's literally just a, our, you know, it's just a quick. Two, I mean, I'm sorry. When's it coming out? Oh, let me hang on. Well, it, let it, me look. It, the it's at the LCAP from September 16th through October 6th. Thank you. I didn't say when it ended, but it was two weeks from September 16th. And then the movie comes out um, in DVD in October 1st in Blu-ray and combo pack. Do we know if there's going to be any special activities like they have sometimes with the... Yes, they gave me a list of the special activities on the Blu-ray, and they're actually calling this the Diamond... No, 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 I'm talking about, I'm talking about at the LCAP. Oh, heck no. Okay. They, there, there isn't or you don't know? No, it's not going to, there's no, it's just, it's literally, you're just paying for the movie. Okay. You're just paying for the movie. Okay. Well, because um, sometimes, like with the cars, they have that experience or something, right? Right. Yeah. They're, um, there's some, they're doing some Facebook and Twitter things on the, on the Blu-ray. Um, and, uh, they're doing, um, an ink functionality that lets you become an animator and, a bunch of other stuff. So, anyway, if you're into that kind of thing on your DVDs, then buy it again for all of you who either missed it the last time or once. Oh, oh man, I'm just looking at the, uh, that their websites. Uh, two weeks before Lion King at the El Capitan is Beauty and the Beast in 3D. Uh, that I'd like to see. Yep. So, it was a fun event. I'm really glad we got a chance to do it. It was very unique, and it was a great chance for us to do some more audio and video interviews. So, like I said, disunplugged.com or our Disunplugged YouTube channel. Thanks very much, Nancy. That was great. Sounds like a very fun event. Okay, and for our last segment, Tony, another restaurant review, sir. Yes, we're going to actually go back in time. Because I ate here a a while ago, and then all of a sudden, all these new restaurants started popping up. So we put this on the shelf, and we took it back out. So um, I'll do my best to remember. Is it still fresh? I'm sorry. I I just saw your line. That word once during this entire review. (laughs) I was hoping to do that as the final punchline, but you've just ruined it for me. So that's okay. because Tom joined me no, when we went bad. to the Riverbell Terrace. Did they have carnitas there? No. Okay. What do they have? Come on, we need to be serious. We're doing a Disney Men podcast. Okay. Um, <laughs> they were. Um, I think they were one of the. If, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I think they were one of the first Disneyland rest, uh, counter service restaurants to redo their menu. Yeah. Okay, they were one of the first ones, and I didn't try it right when it started well, when they I, first redid it. When I Go looked ahead. at the menu, it didn't. I mean. Cold sandwiches and salads. I'm not going to Disneyland to eat a cold sandwich. Okay, yes. 
And my wife agrees with you, but I actually disagree with both of you. I'm not going there to eat a cold sandwich, but sometimes you want a sandwich. So they did improve the quality of the menu, and I, I noticed that if you're a sandwich guy, and I guess I am a sandwich guy. Their menu features salads and sandwiches. That's it. Nothing else. They're basically $12.99 for the sandwiches and the salads each. There's two for $11.99. That's the Vegetable Pool Boy and Aunt Polly's Harvest Medley. So I'm assuming that's the, if I remember correctly, the vegetarian options that are only a dollar less. They're all served on a soft roll with a tiny cup, and I said tiny. Yes, tiny cup of baked beans. There was a small cup. I don't, they shouldn't even, like, they should just give it to you and not tell you they serve it with it. But, um, and they have a choice, of, and you get a choice of one side dish, which is from a grab-and-go refrigerated case, if that's what you call it, a lentil salad, coleslaw, and pasta salad. And those were fine. Those were good enough. Um, nothing like, you know, it's not um, Napa Rose or anything. The uh, sandwiches they have are the River Bell Bre- the River Bell's Roast New York, Mississippi Turkey Breast, Tennessee Barbecue Pork, and I already told about told you about the vegetable po' boy. And we tried the barbecue pork, the turkey breast, and not the New York, but Tom's salad had right. New, York salad on New York on it. And the one thing is I've always been anti-Disneyland sal- uh, sandwiches because the bread's bad, the meat's bad. Not anymore. I'm not going to say that these are great sandwiches, but they're much improved than the way Disneyland's sandwiches used to historically be. The turkey breast is an actual carved turkey breast. Right there, you can see him cutting it. So if you like those kind of sandwiches from Thanksgiving, you'll like it. The uh, barbecue pork is, you can tell it's not just been sitting there in a big vat of that like Lloyd's barbecue stuff. Um, I guess that's a blast from the past. Do they still make Lloyd's? I don't know. You guys know what I'm talking I about? You know, the, those little, yeah, those little tubs. It's not one of those things. It's an actual, oh, I mean, there's that... The, the pork is actually shred, shredded with different sized chunks, so it isn't just, you know, mashed together. And then the roast New York, I believe, is sliced too. So it's actually sliced. How can I say this without saying that word? Without using the F word? Uh, yes. Um, it, it's sliced without at, at, being yes, yes. quickly, at, without being it. there for a long time. Yeah, there we go. That's kind of what I want to say. Gosh, I thought I could do it. Um, I still did, but that was kind of that was kind of cheating. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's not just the the things that they used used to buy in the case with the huge breads and the the bad meats and all that stuff. And Tom, you had the New York salad. I did. Do you rem- Can you remember re- it at all? I remember that the meat on it was it was it was steak. It was sliced steak. It didn't come with a knife, but they had cut it up in chunks, so you didn't have to worry about it. It was and it was. And from what I remember, it was not overdone. It was like medium. So it was, yeah, it was, it was, it, yeah, it was like nice on the salad. Yeah, it was a higher quality. And I remember having a bite of the steak and going, this is, you know, real steak. And, yeah. um, yeah. which I know you think, well, it should be, but it didn't used to be, right. you know. Um, you, you'd all think the, you'd get lunch meat or something like from a yeah, uh, French market? Is that what it is? Yeah. So, um, their pro- he had the plantation roast New York salad with a southern ranch dressing. They also have a rosemary turkey breast salad with citrus tarragon vinaigrette dressing. And again, those dressings are made there. They're not in packets or anything. And so I, I have to say there, it's the beginning of their, since we went back in time, the beginning of their improving, improving of the menus. They also include 
They also have some desserts. The desserts they have are a Dreams Cake, Fruit Parfait, and Raspberry Cheesecake for $4.99. They were just desserts, nothing that I would go back specifically for. The most exciting thing <laughs> is that they had a toppings bar. Not Okay, not as good as uh, Pico's Bills and Walt Disney World, but they at least went that direction. And on the toppings bar, and I have to be honest, because this is so long ago, and I'm sorry if this is going to hurt feelings of people who don't live as close to Disneyland as I do. I drove there today to look at the toppings bar, <laughs> got back in my car, and went home. So, Jeez. Did you use the four-hour parking? And how I was. Yeah, and how we go, I was. we do two things, we go home. Damn locals. That's what I did. I didn't even get a drink. I, I totally plan on doing a segment sometime in the future about going to the park and not going on a single attraction. I did nothing. I looked and I left. I didn't even take a tram or anything. Anyways, on nice. the top of the bar, they have a cranberry relish, which I enjoyed for your turkey Ooh, sandwich. The turkey? Ooh. Yeah. They have a horseradish aioli. They have barbecue Steak, sauce. Okay. And then they have pickled zucchini slaw, which is cold. And I think the barbecue sauce. And they also have caramelized onions and mushrooms, I think, if the mushrooms part. Let me double check my picture. Um, but those, those are actually warm. Those are actually, that's actually warm. Pickled so zucchini slaw is excellent on the barbecue pork. Yes, yes. I am so glad you mentioned that. That is the premier way to do that. It makes that sandwich and is definitely one of my faves. I know I have a lot of faves around Disneyland. I keep saying that, but you're right. On an, on an afternoon when it's a little warm and you want something cooler, even though the barbecued pork is served warm, you get that, you add the zucchini slaw, you get the big thing of the dream cake or whatever, you are set for the day. Or you can be really cheap like me and just go to the toppings bar and load everything up there. Like I was in junior high and I had like a dollar for a soda. But um, Ice water with lemon? Yeah. Like Fuddruckers? I used to do that. Sorry. that's I know. Nobody's going to get that. You can edit that one out. No, you should. You should keep it in. Fuddruckers. And the cheese. <laughs> we have a Fuddruckers in Burbank. Yeah. When I, was, like, I totally in get grade, what you're saying. I'd get a drink. And I get like fries, and then I get like the cheese and the tomatoes and the onions. My parents are, if they hear this, think we're not that. We didn't. We we, we fed you. Yeah, your, but I'm. Your parents listen guy. to the podcast. Uh, yeah, I had no, no, no. They don't. Um, yeah, okay. So, but anyways, I think for a sandwich, it was a good place to get a sandwich and a salad. It's not one of my favorites, but if you want, if you've been avoiding sandwiches, I would go there because they're. I can't say that word. They're, oh, go ahead. Made, made to, to order. No, no. Yes, made they're to order. made to order. They're made to order, and they're carved right there. The bread is good. They have the toppings bar, which I liked, and the zucchini slaw and the the cranberry. I liked all that. And um, it's also got one of the best locations, I think, in Disneyland because you're right there on the rivers of America. Yes, and so absolutely. And if, you, and if you don't want to go healthy and your party does, you could go over to the Stage Door Cafe and get a, something fried and eat with your family. Yes, you could. So Not that I'm I would gonna, ever do that. No. I'm I'm going to give it a thumbs up. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's – yeah, I guess – So you can't do that. That's copyrighted. Oh, you're right. It's copyrighted. Okay. I'm going to give it a <laughs> – well, if I say a finger up, that would be bad, too. Um, On a scale of one to five, Tony, since you're struggling here for it. No, I can't struggle. I know numbers. I don't want, I don't want, that, I don't want that pressure. I'm, 
I'm going to give it two mouse ears. No, I can't do that Tony one either. Seal seal of approval. Yes, Tony Seal of Approval. If you like sandwiches and salads, don't go out of your way to go there. But if you're hungry, you will you you will not be disappointed. How's that? And I did Excellent. It. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. I think that will do it for this edition of the Diz Unplugged Disneyland Edition. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you again next time. <laughs>